Welcome to the Oil Can Podcast. Hi there, it's Alan Mitchell. For the next 30 minutes or so, we're going to be talking Oilers hockey. Uh, we'll have a conversation about the Oilers post-All-Star game start, uh, which has been very strong. Uh, Kyler Yamamoto, uh, Leon Dreisaitl, Caleb Jones, uh, and a couple of articles that we've seen recently from Daniel Nugent-Bowman, who joins me. Uh, Daniel, how are you, sir? I'm fine. I'm, I'm kind of... Uh, ever since getting back from from Prague uh, last week, kind of been battling, <laughs> kind of the the flu or some kind of illness. It's 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 okay. I'm 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 kind of trudging on here, but uh, I've been better. But you know, that's I think that's that's par for the course in the winter. You're bound to get sick at some point, so uh, that's just kind of how it works. I think. I always find flying back like in the airplane. Uh, you just it, it it you can almost feel yourself going oh geez you know this is a lot and and almost inevitably cold flu something some kind of uh, uh, airborne virus gets you and then you're you're down for the count for a week or ten days but it's still worth it and from what I understand Prague is a very lovely city so I'm sure you enjoyed that I did and it's kind of inevitable I think in the winter you're kind of caught in this in this box for nine hours uh, with with uh, lots of people around you doing you know with uh, uh, all sorts of of germs and whatnot that you you might be bound to get something but um yeah you know that's i guess the price you pay for <laughs> for for uh, getting out of edmonton and enjoying a you know a european city uh in the course of winter so you take the good with the bad and and carry on i guess well it's it i can tell you that it it has to be better than a uh, trip in you know a half ton to Saskatchewan for the weekend so you you probably made the right call <laughs> for sure uh so let's start here because I think it's the big thing that everybody's talking about I I said uh I wrote and I said on the on the radio that uh I thought three points in three games coming back would be really good for Edmonton they played Calgary twice home and home and then in between a game against the St. Louis Blues who are the Stanley Cup champions they get five of six points instead of three of six. And they looked, especially on the Friday-Saturday back-to-back games, as good as I've seen them in some time. Uh, I, I don't really have an answer for it, except that I think they probably were well-rested. Uh, I think Dave Tippett has an idea about where this team is. And th- they they seem to, at the top end, with Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid split up, have the kind of formula that we maybe thought they would if both of both men played center. Is that how you see this recent run? Yeah. Well, I, I wanted to flip the script on you a little bit here. Do you think that that game, uh, again, like those two games back to back, uh, St. Louis and Calgary, were those the best two games they played all year? Oh yeah, I think so. As a matter of fact, I think that the, the, you could argue and I, I'd have to go back, but I, I think that that's the best they've looked against good talent since the 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 year they made the playoffs 2016-17 they had there there was there was no passenger at all on that team um Patrick Russell I think had six shots on the Saturday night they they played well mistakes that were made were were you know uh, accounted for and then they 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 quickly battled back and would score I'm thinking of an Ethan Bear uh, poor decision, kind of vapor lock, but they they got that back quickly to make it five three. It it just it felt to me like there was never a doubt about the the result, and and they forechecked the orders when they're most effective. 
they forecheck. And this this team had that back in the day with Pouliot and some others, and it took a while to get it back. I think a lot of it is about speed. But Yamamoto has changed so much on this team. So, yeah, I would say that's the best two games of the year. The Washington game early where they came back in the third period was one that I would note. But for me, this was the best game. Yeah, I was trying to rack my brain trying to think of uh, when they played better. I mean, yeah, they got five in a row to start the year. But, I mean, they they were down in each one of those games. And, uh, I, you know, I don't think they really played great in any of them. Uh, the Boston game, uh, the second game in, in January, was a pretty good game on the road against a really good team, but they started a little slow in that one. Um, I mean, really, the other than the, the second period against the Blues, that was, you know, six you know, or five really good periods of hockey. And, and you're talking about Saturday night. I, I, I can't think of one guy who, who played badly in that game. Uh, yeah, you know, the first goal, Calgary's first goal, Robinson beats uh, Jones to the net. Yeah, that happens. I mean, young young uh, defenseman. Maybe you hope you get a save. Maybe you hope you Jones played that a little bit differently. I think you talked about the bear kind of giveaway. I think he just kind of fanned on it, and then it led to some chaos. You know, not the right move from Bear, but that stuff happens. And I mean, the rest of it was tremendous. I look at the the goal. I think it was Nugent Hopkins scored where Drysaddle picked uh, Shillington's pocket, pocket, and then there's a you know a little bit of a passing play there with uh, Yamamoto and 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 uh, and obviously Nugent Hopkins to finish it off. Um, you're right. I mean the the, the four checking was was relentless. Patrick Russell uh, getting getting into the lineup for the first time against Calgary. I think that that added some muscle there. Um, I thought the defense played very well. Um, I mean the the goaltending didn't need to be great because of the offense. Um, but, you know, I th- Koskinen, I thought, played well in the third period, although the game was kind of out of reach at, by that point. Uh, and Smith was, was all right to, as well. So, I mean, <laughs> um, you know, Calgary's a, a pretty good team. Obviously, they struggled a lot earlier in the year. And, uh, and there was the incident with, with Bill Peters as well that led to a coaching change. Uh, been a lot better lately. And, and St. Louis has been, you know, one of the top three to five teams in the league all year. Uh, and they were great. That was that first period against St. Louis was was outstanding. Uh, and then they they uh, they allowed to, to them to get back in the game in the second and an early goal in the third. But then they they you know they put the the pedal down to, to finish that game off. So um, I mean, if this is the sign of things to to come, I mean Edmonton um, Edmonton may be a force to to be reckoned with coming up. I mean they have. I was looking at this uh, I think yesterday, and they have one of the best uh, you know goals. Uh, for against ratios in in the uh, in the Western Conference, all of a sudden, so uh, obviously a very modest uh, total at plus eight, but um, shows that the there's a little bit of volatility in that conference, especially in the division, where obviously there's there's five teams kind of battling it out, uh, you know, for three spots and then maybe five with the wild card. But uh, you know, I think the Oilers have as good a chance as any in that uh, in that division to to kind of get going and, and, and ultimately represent the conference in the conference final. A lot of things have to happen, but, uh, you know, there's 30 games left, but there's there's some things that are very positive about this team if they can play like they did the last two games. The It, it seems like, and this has happened a lot this year, Ethan Bear at the beginning of the year, uh, Kyler Yamamoto more recently, yeah. now Caleb Jones sliding in with Chris Russell's injury. These are, these are not just short-term... Uh, solutions. They're they're solving a lot of their problems uh, in real time with guys that can be around for five or longer years. 
uh, under control. So it's been a really good year uh, from that point of view. But it, and I, I know I've asked you this a thousand times, Daniel, and it, I, I know that it, 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 it changes because the, 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 the nature of the team and what's solved and what isn't. But, you know, I know they probably need a right-handed center, but I'm also seeing with Archibald and Cassian more speed and that line seems to be more dynamic with McDavid and those two than it was with Neil. And I know Neil had an injury, so that's probably a part of it. So for the 100th time, uh, do you think a scoring winger or a, a two-way center is more important for Holland at the deadline? I'm kind of torn on that, to be honest. Um, I always kind of thought it was contingent on where they wanted to put Nugent Hopkins. So uh, right now, obviously, you're not touching that line with uh, Dreisaitl and, and Kyler Yamamoto. I mean, they've been tremendous. Uh, Yamamoto's speed and, and kind of his you know, determination to get on pucks and, and create turnovers mixed with, you know, obviously Dreisaitl, one of the players of the month, player of the week. Um, him being able to, to really drive that line um, um, is a huge benefit. Um, you know, you look at the St. Louis game where, you know, Dreisaitl, um was effective and, and St. Louis has a very deep, uh, you know, defensive, uh, you know, blue line. Um, but McDavid went head to head with O'Reilly, which is a very tough, uh, you know, matchup, obviously, uh, um, likely the, the, the uh, Selkie Trophy winner this, this year. Or could be anyway. I shouldn't say likely, but um, McDavid has to take that matchup, and it kind of frees Dryside a little bit. Although he still have to face some tough competition on the blue line, um, so that gives the Oilers just so much more um, kind of flexibility in terms of what uh, Tippett wants to do again. You know, line matchups at home, and it makes them such a deeper team. So, uh, you know, ideally, I think you want to get somebody else with McDavid. I mean, Archibald is not you know a scorer. Uh, Cassian, you know, c- can be at even strength, but you know, ideally, I think you put Arch, you're you're able to get Archibald back on that third line with Shahan, uh, and, and get a score if you could. Um, that said, if you're going to leave Nugent Hopkins there, you, you might want to to get it, you know, a, uh, you know, a more, uh, I don't want to say competent, but uh, maybe a stronger third line center. Uh, than Riley Shahan or, or even Gaetan Haas, depending on how you're slicing that. So um, I think it just kind of depends on the acquisition cost and, and what is available for, for Holland and, and his his uh, management staff to, to kind of delve into. Uh, I think either way, you're, you're kind of strengthening the team um, because, you know, as you've seen, I think McDavid could play with anyone uh, and, and having Archibald up there or, you know, if it's Neil and Cassian, or it basically, it's, I think he'll be playing, or it seems like he'll be playing with with two of those three guys. Um, that that that's fine, especially if that second line can keep going. So if you're able to get a scoring winger at the right price, great. If you're able to get a you know a, a third line center at the right price, that's great too. Uh, I think you're probably uh, only going to see Holland be able to do one of those things. Um, I think you're, however you're slicing it, it's a good thing, which I know is kind of punting on your question a little bit, but, um, I think, yeah, any way that you're, you're able to kind of strengthen this team is, is a good thing to me. Do you have a preference? Uh, I mean, what, what, what do you think? Well, I, I, you know, I, I, I like Haas, but he, he's not, he doesn't win, win uh, faceoffs. I think he's like 40%. Uh, but I, and I, and I like Benson as a, as a left winger, but I don't like him you know, as to count on, 
to, to play the McDavid role. So I think if you have to choose, uh, the more the more dynamic would be the the, the winger for McDavid. So sure. I probably would lean that way because I think you you not like you're going to outscore the world, but the gap between what what Neil is as an injured player uh, and an upgrade, whoever that might be. Uh, would look like would be larger than the gap between Shahan Haas. Shahan's playing better. I, I do agree he's a fourth line guy, but he's playing better than he did earlier in the year. Mm-hmm. I, I think that the 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 gap is larger on the on the what we're calling the left wing. I imagine it would be McDavid, Cassian, and then the new left winger. Uh, but that's that's the area I would like to see. Often I'm wrong on these, but. <laughs> um, the other side of it is one of the things you you always like a third line center for is penalty killing. The Oilers have been very good with the penalty kill, so maybe that's you know not as important based on on how well they are playing there. Uh, one guy I wanted to talk about. Well, let's do let's talk about Benson first. Yeah, I was going to say that's somebody right yeah, now. Yeah. Pardon me. I was going to say yeah, that's that's exactly what I was going to wanted to talk about. So, yeah. yeah, go ahead. So I, I see him coming in as a a guy who who pops in on either a fourth line that's makeshift with Haas and Gagne, or maybe if they, now they've moved Archibald off that line, uh, maybe you play him with Riley Sheehan. Lots of folks su- suggesting playing with, uh, you know, Connor McDavid a la Yamamoto. I think that's a big ask. Do you agree? Absolutely, yeah. And especially <laughs> the difference in, in, in skating and, and speed between McDavid and, and Tyler Brenson is, is, pretty, is pretty steep. I mean, that's goes without saying because not a lot of guys can keep up with McDavid and you know uh, sometimes that isn't the be all end all you know he can come up in, in the play and find the right spot etc but I think asking a guy who hasn't played a single NHL game yet remember he was called up Tuesday and you know some travel issues um, uh, you know preventing him or, or making it less than ideal to play uh, on Friday against the Blues and then you know, asking him to <laughs> your first game to be the, the Battle of Alberta um when the team had played so well the night before um, was kind of a big ask. So I wonder if he even gets in tomorrow because of, of how well the team plays. It's the old, you know, you don't want to break up a uh, a winning lineup type of thing. But um, to me, he would, he would, I mean, you're kind of waiting for the uh, dam to break. So, so to speak with, with Jujar Kara, I think I thought he played pretty well. One of his better games of the year um, against uh, Calgary. So you're probably leaving him in, but, the way Kara has played this year, you kind of wonder how long that will last. And uh, to me, he he takes Kara's spot uh, on that line there with uh, with Shahan and uh, I guess Russell, or you're taking Russell out and moving that around. Of course, we're waiting to see what this how um, how severely James uh, Neal's foot uh, is. It's you know kept him out of the lineup for the last two games, but is supposed to be a uh, uh, you know, only a short-term thing. So I, I kind of like him in more of a, of a depth role. Uh, again, a player that, that uh, you know, obviously has had a year and a half of really solid hockey in the American League, uh, but has never played in the NHL yet. You know, you're, when you're bringing up Yamamoto, he, he, he played about 12, 17 games or so, uh, roughly over, over the, the last two years, and, and obviously you know, has a bit more speed to be able to keep up with, with some of those top guys. Um, so, so you know, getting him up there pretty quickly after he was called up um, was kind of a logical move, but asking Benson to, to kind of step in and be that left winger with McDavid uh, at least right away is, is a very, very steep ask, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to, uh, to burden him with that role if I were a coaching staff. 
Yeah, I agree. I think you, you know, Haas, Gagne, Benson is a fourth line uh, for the for the first, you know, number of games if he gets comfortable or you have a you know the, the often there's a five minute penalty or whatever there's an opportunity to to you know audition uh farther up the the depth chart if he's playing well and confident but you know sometimes as we saw with William Lagesson you know he came up for two games I, I I can't remember a shift that he played uh I, I'm sure he was fine but he didn't he wasn't you know, uh, so impactful that they they needed to keep him, and I think that that first cup of coffee sometimes is just that, where you're you know you're up and you survive, and then you go back down and maybe you work on a few more things. Uh, one of the things about Benson that I think is uh, um, not necessarily an issue, but something that I'm sure they'd like to improve on is is his shot. Uh, uh, volume. He doesn't shoot as much as you would like a skill line winger to shoot. And he also hasn't scored uh, as many goals as you would expect from a guy uh, who plays on a skill line. So I'm a big Benson believer, but I think that, that realistically uh, the Oilers are going to have to kind of draw him in a little more slowly. And as you say, he doesn't have those those two auditions that Yamamoto had uh, in the two previous seasons. And that 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 will impact as well. Yeah, and there are a couple things there in what you're saying. And, um, you know, if you're putting him with McDavid, Benson, you know, his, his goals to assist ratio are, are very heavily in the assist col- uh, column. And, um, you know, McDavid, people think of him as a playmaker, and I, I would put him in that category more than a scorer. Um, but, uh, he, I mean, he is, you know, six, or, or he was six going into the Calgary game in, in shots uh, this year. But, you know, I, I think you're probably in a perfect world wanting to put, you know, a, a scoring winger next to McDavid, you know, as he, you know, has had with a lot of different guys, whether it's Patrick Maroon or, or you know, even Drysaddle, right? Like, you, you know, you, although those two definitely could could play off each other, uh, if you're looking at the, uh, how the, uh, those two guys played in, with, uh, Dreisaitl getting 50 goals last year, you'd think of him being more the scorer. So uh, that combined with, with the speed, um, is, it's, it's kind of a tall ask for Benson. The other thing that's a little unfortunate is he's kind of being put into a little bit of a, um, not a no-win situation, but it's less than ideal because, you know, on a lot of teams he could get some second, second uh, power play time uh, or, you know, um, if the the second line of the Oilers wasn't uh, playing as well as it has been, you might want to put him with uh, Nugent Hopkins or Dreisaitl. Um, but I don't think you're touching that second line right now with how well it's played. Um, so we all know the first player power play unit, you know, plays about a minute 45 or, or, you know, uh, scores pretty quickly. So I don't think he's going to be getting a lot of power play time or much at all. So that, that kind of limits, uh, you know, an, uh, in that type of offensive opportunity for him, uh, which is obviously his bread and butter. So, uh, you know, things happen. There's some inj- injuries that could happen, you know, any, you know, lots of those different things. But right now I, I would temper my expectations uh, with, with Benson and, and kind of let him kind of feel his way into his, uh, his initial, um, uh, you know, action in the NHL, whenever that may be. Caleb Jones and Matt Benning are an interesting pair. Obviously, Chris Russell's injury made that necessary, and you're always worried if you're the Oilers or a fan of the Oilers that uh, you know the veteran leaves. You 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 might notice a a little bit of a downbeat. I, I think it's been the opposite. I I love Jones' speed. Uh, clearly, he's a rookie. He missed the 
his mark uh, on the Buddy Robinson goal. But that that's what you know happens with rookies. I like that pairing a lot. They're more mobile. Uh, Chris Russell has a lot to recommend him. He's a very good defensive defenseman. But Jones, with his speed, offers a different element, and it, it also works. Uh, we don't know how long Russell's out. It's it's concussion protocol. But what are your thoughts about keeping that pair together here, I guess at least for the foreseeable future? Well, yeah, I think it will remain intact until some kind of decision needs to be made on, on Russell. And, and I guess more specifically, that would be him being healthy and being ready to go again. So um, yeah, I think you're, you're probably not touching the, the top two pairs and uh, you know, I've always liked Matt Benning in a, in a bottom pairing role. I think he, you know, he, he can play pretty well against, you know, those, those bottom two type lines, um, moves the puck. All right. Gets his shots through from the point. Um, he bring, he bring, you know, when he has to get moved up the line, uh, the lineup and play some tougher minutes, you, you know, it's, it seems to be a little more challenging for him, but in that bottom pairing role, I think he's just fine. Um, Jones, uh, obviously, uh, feeling his way out a little bit, um, you know, still early as a defenseman in the, in the national hockey league. Um, but I was always intrigued to see how he would do, um, on a strong side, because not only were they bringing in, a rookie defenseman um, last year and this year. He's, he, you know, he had, he had a cup of coffee last year. Um, predominantly, he's been doing it on his on his offside, and I, I know he's, you know, takes that as a, a point of pride and, and emphasis that he, you know, he's able to do it in junior and in Bakersfield and 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 that. Um, but it is it is pretty challenging in, in the National Hockey League when you have uh, forwards bearing down on you and you have to play the puck on your backhand or, or you know find it find a way out of a tough situation on your backhand so um i really like the the two games he's played um against st louis and uh, calgary you know other than that that missed assignment on the on the robinson goal i thought he's been pretty pretty solid and um you know i don't you know I th- we've talked about the the defense and how it's going to shape shape up uh, a lot on this podcast and between benning uh who's an rfa uh, um, Larson and uh, and Russell, who both have another year on their contract. I can't see all three of those guys being back next year, um, just in terms of play, in terms of, of the cap hit, in terms of what they want to do with the roster, having guys come up. Um, but I think it bodes pretty well that you have a guy like Jones who can play both sides, and now you've been able to see him play pretty well on on his um, on his strong side. So that could could kind of uh, dictate how uh, Holland and the management staff want to go on the off season when it comes to maybe trying to move out a guy like Russell. But I think you're probably going to need uh, Russell should he, you know, come back healthy uh, for the stretch drive, because you can never have too many defensemen. Um, now that we're talking about the Oilers as a, as a possible playoff team, instead of being a seller for once. The, there's two things I want to get to before uh, we end. And I, 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 the first one I want to talk, about is your article about Zach Cassian. I'll tell you, I um, longtime Bruins fan, and I I, I knew a Buffalo Sabres fan. Uh, um, the day of Zach Cassian's draft, he called me and he said, "We finally have the nuclear deterrent to Milan Lucic in Zach Cassian." And I said, "Forget about it. No, not a chance." Uh, and Zach Cassian's career has been very interesting. Uh, in a lot of different ways, but his contract signing uh, to go from the night he really 
I mean, he really did a number on Sam Gagne and his jaw in Vancouver to him getting a contract that that I'm sure he you know thought he might never get uh, shows us how far he's come. And your article kind of delved into where where this player has been and where he's going to and what he's done and what he's accomplished. It really is a fascinating story. Yeah, I mean, it's a guy that. Um... In junior, you know, I, I don't think people ever would have thought that he'd get to this point either, even though he, he did make the, the world junior team um, in 2011. Um, but, he, you know, he's dealt with his share of on-ice suspensions, uh, starting in junior, um, to obviously his off-ice, uh, you know, substance abuse um, uh, situation um and needing to get help and and he's turned his career around in, in edmonton and, and that uh, john and i were talking last week about whether that was the best trade that, that peter shirelli uh, ever made it's got to be right up there um you know obviously i don't think anyone uh, at that time the deal was made um could have predicted this with with uh, zach cassian um him you know being you know uh, one of the key players on on this oilers team i mean obviously that uh, you know he's you know well behind like the big three up front and a couple defensemen etc. But uh, he's a he's a, a really um, capable and, and competent player on this team. Of course, uh, John and I were talking about last last week about you know if he has to be moved away from McDavid at some point or if the the roster gets stronger, he might be kind of left with with somebody you know at three point two million uh, cap hit that you know playing down in the lineup. Um, it's a lot less effective considering he doesn't get special teams time. But uh, for now, um, you know, he's fit in really nicely with McDavid. Um, I, I don't think he's the greatest skater in the world, but he moves around just fine, uh, gets to the right areas. Obviously, everyone knows about the physical play uh, and the, uh, what, you know, the, what he was able to uh, uh, bring against uh, Matthew Kachuk and whatnot. But um for now, I think they have a really solid player, and it's a, you know kudos to him for being able to get that contract, as you kind of alluded to, because uh, I don't think anyone would have saw, saw this you know a few years ago uh, when he was basically um, you know kicked out for lack of a better term of the the Canadians organization. Um, he's come a long way, and and you know that's to be commended uh, uh, to be able to turn your career and your life around like that. The other one was, uh, I, I, you know, the Sam Gagne big night um, in, a, in a, a decade or, you know, 12 or 14, however many years of darkness you want to go into, that, that night was beyond magical. And, and Gagne has a, an interesting place in Euler uh, fandom because he was, he was offered up in the fall of 2007 as a as the hope for the future and and scored 49 points as a rookie and and played on a, a basically an all kid line and and he was front page news uh which would have been what you know 13 years ago or so uh in this town so people know Gagne they've cheered for Gagne we saw him get traded away uh but looking back on that grand night for him uh and what was a memorable evening for any Oiler fan and certainly for him it it um uh, it's distant, and yet the memory is somewhat fresh. Yeah, well, I wanted to talk to him about it just because, uh, I mean, the eight years and eight eight uh, points kind of lined up. Uh, obviously, he's in the last year of his contract, and 
Um, if he's brought back, it certainly uh, won't be at the the same number that that he is uh, currently on. So um, you know, there's obviously a lot of uncertainty about him uh, coming back next year, um, and, and the fact that no one has done it since. And, and the closest guy that that's even uh, you know, that's come close to the, the eight points was, uh, McDavid, uh, in, in, uh, in November against the, against the avalanche when he had the, the six points, um, very different game in the sense that McDavid got all his points, excuse me, over the first two periods. And, um, with the game out of reach, Tippett, Dave Tippett, uh, kind of, I don't want to say stapled him to the bench, but he only, I think played four minutes or so, um, versus, uh, Gagne's, um, game he didn't have any points in the first period and then um just really took off from there especially in in the third and it was a close game up until the, the very end so they kind of needed um most of his offense so it was a very very different game um you know a couple of things really stood out from when we were ch- talking about it he, he he was welcoming the conversation because he said he could talk about that night forever but um one thing was him having the beer with uh with joey moss i thought was a really cool thing um, you know, shows obviously how much, uh, you know, Joey Moss is, is kind of around and respected and, and part of the team in a way. Uh, and also he, he had three points in the first period of his next game against Detroit and, and Hedrick Satterberg came up to him and said, Hey, slow down. And, and that was kind of the end of, of, uh, kind of his run there. So, um, yeah, a lot of good memories for, for, for Gagne. And, and, uh, I think he really enjoyed uh, having the conversation with me and, um, I thought it was a kind of a fun piece to kind of look back um, at. Uh, you know, obviously, he was a very different uh, player, uh, as you alluded to. How you know, first round pick. He was you know four or five years into his time uh, with the Oilers and still very prominent guy. Uh, obviously, now kind of a um, you know a depth player for for this team, and um, but somebody I think that that fans really like and his kind of. Uh, willingness and commitment to to being an oiler where a lot of guys kind of uh, would rather get out of Edmonton if they they could I I think he's really welcomed uh, the opportunity to come back uh, when he was traded uh, back to Edmonton last February so um, yeah it was a fun piece to write and I hope uh, hope uh, fans and and subscribers really got that too well it was a a fun piece to read and and um, it reminded me of that night and that night reminded me of uh, the Daryl Sittler ten point night when I was, uh, I, I was, I was still. I think I was still in high school. I remember I was. I remember the night of. It was a hockey night in Canada game, and I was uh, stacking pins at uh, KV Bowl in Maidstone, Saskatchewan. And um, there was a point in the evening where um, everybody would drink their beer and bowl, and the, the hockey game was on, and nobody was bowling. Everybody stopped bowling, and I came out from behind, and everybody was watching Sittler and. I'm going to say for about the last hour and 10 minutes of that game, it just became the Daryl Sittler across Canada night. And mm-hmm. Gagne, much the same, where if you if you were in any way associated with that game or somebody told you to watch the game, you would go do it. Because if stuff was going in from the moon for both guys on that night. And it's funny because... You know, you, you watch a lot of hockey, you you see some special things, but there are just some times when when it all just kinda crystallizes for one player and for Gagne, I mean he couldn't miss that night. He just could not. Yeah, and I think you saw that this year even a little bit with McDavid when he had six points through two through uh two periods. Um people on Twitter were, Hey, McDavid six points and you could see kind of people gravitating toward that. Unfortunately it was uh for him trying to chase down uh, whether it be the 
the Oilers tied the Oilers record of eight points or, or Sittler's 10. It was kind of anticlimactic uh, for, um, you know, the amount of ice time he got in that period and the game out of reach, etc. cetera. Um, but, you know, I think people really gravitate toward records. Obviously, you're seeing that now with, with Ovechkin and he passes seemingly an, another legend every day and, and kind of within striking distance, I'll uh, use that term loosely because he's still 200 goals away or whatever of Wayne Gretzky's mark. But um, uh, people kind of love guys going for records and having uh, big offensive nights. And I think you, you've kind of seen that uh, recently with McDavid and Ovechkin. Yeah, McDavid and Ovechkin. Um, it's, uh, it's fun. Those nights are fun. Gagne's been, you know, I think he's been pretty solid at what he does. He's obviously a good team player. Uh, you mentioned earlier about if he does come back, it, it would be obviously not the same kind of dollars. I wonder if he'd be interested. I wonder if the organization would be too, because as a utility player, uh, he he has had some some real impact on this team. I'd have him back at you know a million bucks or, or league between league minimum and a million bucks uh, um, to play kind of a eleventh to. 13th slash 14th role like forward role like why not uh he's shown he can be able to he's able to move up the lineup uh, he doesn't pout or, or whine if he's being sat out um uh, i think he has value uh, like you know when nugent hopkins went down he played center for a couple games on the second line and they won um at least one of those games um I think he's he's a, a fine player and somebody you'd, you'd probably want on your team at the right price. Obviously, right now he he makes a little too much for I should say a lot too much for for what he does. But I mean that contract wasn't signed by the Oilers and um, they are kind of getting out of uh, that Ryan Spooner situation, which is now a, a, a win for for the Oilers in the sense that uh, Spooner's was bought out and playing in Europe. So um yeah i think you'd, you'd welcome him back I, i'd like to see him back at the at the reduced rate and i think you could do a lot worse than have a guy like him um being able to play a lot of different roles for you know 750 or whatever to a million dollars so um I, I haven't talked to him about that but that would be a kind of a welcome uh, idea to me Oilers played very well on the weekend. Big games with their big games coming up. They're a, a point, a, a couple of points ahead of Calgary with a game in hand, but you got to win that game. Uh, how do you see this rolling out for uh, the Edmonton Oilers? Do you think they can maintain that really structured play that they had on the weekend? Yeah, coming off a like a big weekend, there's always that fear that there's that letdown. But they're lucky in the sense that I think that they – they're they're playing uh, on Tuesday. They're playing a, you know an Arizona team that they're fighting uh, for in terms of uh, with in terms of playoff competition, right? So or playoff spot. Um, Arizona's been been really kind of down the last few games, um, so they better not take the the Coyotes uh, for granted. I would, um, just in the sense <laughs> that they need they need to keep up with with Vancouver and and obviously the Coyotes and the other teams in in the Pacific. So. I, I think they'll be okay. I mean, they have Arizona, San Jose, uh, Nashville this week, then uh, and, and Chicago really next week. Those these are, are pretty big games. Uh, Chicago's not too far out of it, and obviously Nashville isn't either. Um, those three games are at home before they they head to Florida. I think I think they should. I mean, this is a really big uh, opportunity for them to um, to make to to kind of keep pace with with the Canucks. Um, and I think they'll be okay. I mean, you never know what this team. The, the, there were some times earlier in the year where you thought they they 
they do well and then played some some crummier teams at the start of December and, and didn't do so well against them. Um, but um, um, I think the way that they've been going now, I, I would I would expect them to continue their run for a little while. By the way, we want to uh, pass along. Uh, we want Blues with Jeremy Rutherford and Barrett Jackman. Uh, welcomes former Blue Joel Edmondson uh, to We Went Blues on Tuesday. Uh, very interesting player who's had a, a, an interesting career as well. So that's something you might want to check out. Uh, Daniel, we'll be looking forward to your articles this week. Uh, do, can you tease anything for us? Anything you've got coming up? Mm, uh, not yet. I was kind of getting over a bit of an illness, so I... I... Um, I've got a couple things I'm kind of working on, but I, I'm not. We're 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 a little too early for the teasing phase. I'll put it that okay. way. Anything anything right. on your end? I've got a uh, tomorrow. I'm going to talk about uh, something about the the fact that Ken Holland went into the off season with not a lot of money and room, but he improved the speed on this team. And I think that forecheck that we've seen in the last few mm-hmm. days has really been reflective of some really nice moves that he made. That that. Uh, uh, he's gotten credit for, but I think he probably should get a little more credit for. So yeah, and he improved the toughness with uh, with Mike Smith. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, goalie fights back in the day. You know, you'd get one of those a week. That was no big. Jerry Cheevers was in a half dozen. I swear. So. Well, that was the first. As as uh, I'm sure every listener knows now, uh, that was the first Battle of Alberta goalie fight, which seems yeah. like impossible to to believe. Um, especially since it was basically started by, by Cam Talbot, who I know uh, I didn't cover him for long here, um, but just the most polite, down-to-earth guy. And, but I know he does have a bit of, a, of an edge on the ice. But, you know, if he wasn't swinging at Gagne with that blocker, um, I don't think that would have set it off. And then Talbot had to, had to go to, to, to fight Smith, although, he, you know, Smith was waiting for him. Um, but I'd say... Uh, uh, Cam Talbot was really the the guy that got that all started. Which yeah. means if you've talked to him, which I'm sure everyone has heard him speak and, and how you know polite and, and all that he is, is, is kind of a surprise to me. But um, that was certainly something on on Saturday night. Yeah, and and it was a fascinating story. And and um, I understand that that uh, some some folks reached out to uh, his wife uh, Kelly Talbot, I believe, via Twitter, and were. Uh, a little unkind, and that remind everybody who is an Oiler fan that that's not the kind of uh, uh, conduct that, that anybody uh, would approve of. So, uh, yeah, especially for a guy that made his home here too. Right? Sure, like he. I mean, uh, yeah, I he, he was. Yeah. He and McDavid were the MVP of that season. So let's let's have a little respect. That's that's uh, I think a universal theme among Oiler fans. All right, don't forget to please rate and subscribe to the Oil Can on Apple. If you click on the show URL, theathletic.com slash theoilcan, you'll get 40% off your subscription to The Athletic. Thanks for tuning in and have a great day.